Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. up everybody welcome to episode 42 of hobby hotline the uh the hobby's only live call in uh show and just like every saturday we've got an awesome panel of guests for you guys today thanks everybody for tuning in i see we got a couple of comments what's up 1997 cloth ricardo ziggy no what's up my man but uh, joining me today, two people that really need no introduction, but I get to give them one, so it's pretty cool. Uh, you guys know him as the Leaf CEO and owner, and uh, probably on social media quite a bit as well, Mr. Brian Gray. What's up, Brian? What's up, Drew? What's up, Doc? Yeah. <laughs> hey, and also joining us today, another man who needs no introduction whatsoever, Dr. Jim Beckett. How's it going, bud? Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Absolutely. So uh, how's everybody doing today? What's up, Brody? Adam, you got everything going well? Hope everything's good, but uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll dive right into it, guys. We do have a hard stop today at noon, um, so please, if you do want to call in, if you have any questions or if there's anything in the hobby, as always, that you would like to discuss ask dr beckett brian myself any anything uh the link is in the chat to call in just click it call but uh we do have a hard stop right around 12 today but um i guess we'll jump right into it guys and um one thing i wanted to uh touch on was you know just last weekend we had i guess from my understanding, at least everything, basically the makeup for the national, so to speak, the Dallas show, um, uh, quite a big show. Uh, some very, very big people, uh, famous people even showing up, Steve Aoki showing up in a mask running around, uh, trying to be 
a little conspicuous, but a, a pretty big show. But Dr. Beckett, I saw that uh, you were there. Um, so I guess first off, how was the show? Um, how did it go off? You know, how did it feel and everything? You know, how was it? It felt great. I mean, basically, uh, to uh, go to a show and wear a mask, that's that's uh, fits my personality. <laughs> Not that I'm a crook or a robber, but uh, it's good to just kind of walk around and, and circulate. And uh, like I said, it level levels the playing field. You walk up to a table and you're just a just a collector. So it was it was a lot of fun. I mentioned that uh, I think it was pretty equivalent to the first national. 40 years ago, sure. a lot of uh, dealers from around the country, a lot of collectors and and uh, buyers from around the country. Uh, I thought Kyle did, a, did an excellent job. Nice. That's awesome. And uh, Brian, you uh, I know I know in the past you've said that uh, you hadn't you wouldn't want to be going to shows lately. And I know you are around the area. Did you attend the Dallas show at all or? You know, I didn't. And uh, Joe Clemens from our office did go and he did mm -hmm. some buying for leave. But I got to be honest, you know, my position on this. I am right. strongly against shows right now as much as I'm. That's my atmosphere. I mean, you see me rolling around my bag and that's my scene. That's where I'm at constantly. And, um, you know, to be in a position where, you know, I don't feel comfortable going. I'm, you know, sad. I'm glad some people do and I'm good, good for them. You know, I'm not really big on the shows right now. I won't be going to a show until maybe next summer, maybe. But um, I heard good things. I heard there was activity that was great, which, you know, really validates my, you know, my belief that we're in the second inning of a nine inning bull market, you know, and the amount of money that was thrown around was massive and people paying full eBay plus, plus, plus to buy stuff. I mean, it was, I heard there was a lot of activity and good signs for the market. Uh, and Kyle, I hear did a good job with the show. You know, hopefully I'll get to visit it when uh, things get normal ish. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I completely understand why you uh, why you chose not to go and everything. Um, I, I actually was trying to get down there, but unfortunately couldn't. But, uh, you know, Brian, you had mentioned uh, in the past, uh, like virtual expos and things like that. And, um, you know, it seems like I mean, here in North Carolina, it hasn't been as bad. But from what I see around the country, it seems like we might be headed towards a couple of uh, another round of shutdowns in some areas. Uh, a lot of bigger restrictions coming in certain areas, um, you know, and that that put shows, which at least in the North South Carolina area, I mean, they have them. There's one today. There was one last week. There's one next week. They're every week now in North and South Carolina. But, um, you know, that that could potentially put a damper on a you know, and put a stop to shows once again. So, uh, you know, do you think those virtual expos are something that we should be looking into? And, you know, how feasible do you think those are to actually get get done? Well, I don't love them. I'll be honest with you. I think mm -hmm. the interaction is different. It's sure. not like, and again, my roots in the hobby, while they're not Dr. Beckett's roots, I'm, I'm halfway there. I mean, I started in the 80s, mid to late 80s, going into their store at first base. So, I mean, I know, I mean, I've been around a long time, so I remember what shows used to be like when it was much more social and less business. It was about seeing old friends. And yeah, we did buy and sell things, but it was about seeing friends and there was more to it. It was a social, this, it's a little different. I don't think online you can simulate that. As soon as we hang up, I'm actually going to the Sports Card Expo online in Toronto. I guess it's in cyberspace, but it's theoretically in Toronto, which is right. shut down. And, um, you know, so we'll see how that goes. I think it's going to be much harder to trade. 
and much harder to interact there. But as soon as we hang up, that's where I'm headed to see if there's anything to buy. And I can do that from the safety of my own home. So that'll be what I do. I don't like the concept. I guess it's better than nothing for me. But I think, right. again, I can't wait for us to be able to, to be in the same place and do shows like we used to. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. B, what, uh, your thoughts? Well, I mean, the, the aspect of the virtual shows that's good, I think, is that there they're, right. are more seminars or more speaking mm -hmm. and not all exclusively buy and sell. So I, like, like Brian said, I think it brings in some of the social element, uh, not as good as face-to-face -face in person, but still face-to-face. -face. Uh, for higher-end stuff, I think there's an opportunity to, to, uh, to transact and show your stuff for anything, you know, you, but lower price cards, it, it probably doesn't work there. I mean, the whole point of shows is people, the dealers go because it's worth it. The collectors and uh, buyers go because it's worth it. And it's worth it because they can have a good experience, which might in me involve buying and selling and also having a good time. And as to Brian's point, being safe, you know, if you're, uh, you know, I'm, if, if there's a, a flurry, if, if the uh, Waters Creek show from uh, a little while ago turns out to be a super spreader event, uh, boy, that'd be terrible. Right. But I, I don't think it was. I mean, I, I actually, I think you're safer in the card show than you are at an airport. <laughs> Good, man. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I do see a lot of people, you know, uh, one of our co-hosts, uh, over at Sports Card Daily said that he's looking forward to the virtual expo. Uh, I'm going to try and attend as much as I can, um, but it is, uh, it's quite interesting. Like you said, Brian, I don't think it, it's, it's no substitute for the shows. I love the shows. Um, I'm glad the Dallas one went off without a hitch. Uh, Dr. B, maybe you know a little bit more about this, but there was a question in the comments um, or, or well, Ziggy No said that they heard that they're actually going to have another Dallas show scheduled for the end of January, and that they're going to pretty much make this a regular, almost quarterly type of thing. Have you heard anything about the Dallas show kind of becoming a, a scheduled type concept? Well, I, I talked to Kyle uh, Robertson, you know, the promoter, and I, I think he's, I mean, he's riding away. You know, yeah. not only are these shows successful, he's. Um, it, it used to be important, as Brian remembers, to be if you were the only game in town or the biggest in town. But <laughs> he's the only game in the country right now, and right. So people are, are coming here. And Texas, you know, does does things their own way. So, so uh, yeah, he's got a he's got add another scheduled show for uh, January 29th to the 31st, and then uh, I, I think. Increasing the frequency, it's, I mean, Dallas is a strong city, as, as Brian knows, yeah. uh, 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 the Metroplex, the area. So so I'm excited about it, and I, I feel like people are going are gonna to choose to come as dealers or collectors uh, if they feel it's safe. If they don't, they won't. And uh, hopefully right. Kyle has an out with the, with the uh, convention center. If, mm -hmm. if the government shuts them down, I'd, I'd hate to see Kyle out. And dealers out but yeah 
No, absolutely. That would uh, that would definitely be tough. I, that that is pretty cool having another show right there in Dallas. Uh, I've got family over there, so that'd be nice. Uh, what's going on, Three B? I saw you just jump in. Uh, how's it going, man? Nineteen seventy-seven cloth. The link to that expo is above. Uh, I believe Ziggy No posted it, but it is in there, so you can uh, check it out. It's uh, they're interesting, and the one thing I do love about it, Doctor B, you said, is it. It, it puts a lot more focus on like the seminars and everything than I think it normally would um, yeah. that when people are there. And I think that can be a very good thing uh, for the hobby. What's up Royals 417. Um, I just think that having everyone focus on that. I know like at the industry summit, I was watching everything and probably learned a lot more than I would have had I gone to the event. So, you know, I, I do think there are some positives, uh, to that as well but um but guys uh please call in join the show if there's any questions you have about anything in the hobby comments going on anything you'd like to know from brian uh dr beckett myself please call in the link is right there in the chat uh you just click the link very simple to call in you guys know the routine but um but yeah so i guess uh i guess guys will move on now for just a little bit i one of the big things happening this week, at least, was uh, the NBA draft. We had the NBA draft finally happen. I mean, it, the season just ended. Free agency just started. It's wild and crazy. And then we had the draft. But COVID kind of made this an interesting one, in my opinion. Um, you you didn't have a tournament. A lot of these guys had decided even before that they weren't going to play college ball. So they played overseas. You, you're you seeing so many people that, I mean, really no one knew a lot about a lot of these people. If you weren't really dedicated and going and trying to find film on these guys, outside of the top two or three, you don't really know. Not too many people knew who anyone was in this draft. I think people are starting to learn about it now, but they didn't before. Um, what do you guys think, you know, with this year's products and the uh, with no tournament and everything, how do you think this year's products are going to perform? How these, you know, how this, you know, compared to last year, or do you think people are going to focus more on the previous year's products because they're so unfamiliar with these rookies? And guys, please call in and let us know your opinion as well. But uh, Brian, I mean, first off, all my money will be going to 97, 98, 98, 99, 99, 2000. I mean, not 99. I'm still living a decade ago. 17, 17, 17, 18, 18, 19, 19, 20 are going to go to those products. I mean, I, I don't think there's a walk in the league superstar in this bunch. Yeah. I think it's a bunch of role players and good players. And, and again, we had LaMelo when he was 14. I mean, 15, if you look back at our cards, we did LaMelo's first autograph ever yeah. back in 2017 or 18, 16, whatever it was. He was a teenager in high school, maybe he was 16. But um, yeah, we did Lamelo's first card, so I am. I mean, I know the family really well. I had cards of Lavar and, 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 and uh, LiAngelo. But um, you know, I think uh, I think there's not a superstar in the bunch, like walk-in superstar. There may be guys that turn into superstars. There's no Zion. There's no Morant. And so I would just caution people. I think basketball is an anomaly, and that people buy the wax no matter what because it always feels like someone pops out. Your Tyler Arrow type of guys. Yeah. But I would caution people at the ultra high prices some of these products may come out at just to know that there is, you know, there's some risk. I mean, it's not a no brainer. It's, 
And it's not Panini's fault because they're pricing the things correctly. It's just the market's getting out of control on wax. Right. So you have to understand you don't have that Zion jaw like punch as far as getting your money back when you open these products. If that's your motivation, if you're like the good doc, you're buying it because you love it. And that's and that's and that's and that's, that's what you should be doing at these prices. I hope you're buying them because you love them. Yeah. Because because you enjoy the process of opening packs, not to try to buy your family a new house. <laughs> So I think that would be my recommendation. If you want to buy your family a new house, I'd be focusing on the last three years and not this one. Yeah. You know, basically one of the beauty, uh, one of the best aspects of breaking is when you break by team and you get your team. And if I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan, mm -hmm. I get uh, uh, a, a break position for, for Mavericks out of some of the basketball products that that would be fun for me because I don't know which one's going to hit. You know what? I I'm a little discouraged. Uh, as Brian said, the point's well taken that basically we, we just don't know who's going to emerge and it's, it's partly because of the COVID, but then there's this over-reliance on wingspan and yeah. physical attributes and uh, you know, and points per game at, 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 at uh, in levels of competition that aren't, uh, tournament tested. So mm -hmm. uh, I want to know who the, who the money players are. And, you know, people think uh, Lucas snuck up on people, but he was a money player yeah. for any, when he was a teenager, he wanted the ball in his hands in the pressure moments. Who are those guys, even the guys who went to Australia or went to other places, who are the guys that, that, that want to uh, want to take charge in the, in crunch time? And without the tournament, you didn't you didn't see that. But they're going to get a chance in the uh, in the NBA, and somebody will be a big surprise. Yeah, I agree. I think there will definitely be a couple of surprises. Um, I, I I do agree that uh, there are no full on superstars, but like Ziggy No says, you know, it does take. I I always use the three year thing as well, Ziggy. Um, but. I, I just don't see that in this class. Some of these guys I think are great fits for their team and a couple guys drafted some great filler positions that'll probably clog some minutes and get some points, but I don't see any massive, you know, superstar out there in this draft that's going to revolutionize the game. I think uh, the focus is going to continue to be on the previous year's wax, uh, the last couple of years, like you said, Brian, and uh, the era that you actually accidentally mentioned, I think the 96 to uh, 2000 is actually something where, especially inserts, that's where I know I've been focusing a lot on. And it's been, in, it's been absolutely incredible. Hey, Rich Klein, how's it going, Mr. Rich? Please feel free to call in and join us if you got the time. Good, sir. Ziggy um, did make a good point though, Drew. He, when he mentioned, casting a wide net yes this is a year where i think you will actually buy cheap rookies of a guy and mm -hmm. you couldn't jackpot realistically the hobby prices in most of what a guy can do from what they've seen before right. so jaw and, and zion are never cheap no nope. you know guys that surprised you like harold they moved that's fine you know cam reddish whoever it is you're into but i think this year because of the mystery surrounding what they've done in college or other countries or what have you Nothing is baked in the cake now. I think you're yeah. going to see people breaking wax, running cards at 99 cents, let it rip. And I think you're going to be shocked 
at how many upside cards you're going to buy for a couple of bucks more than ever before because yeah. of that uncertainty. And uncertainty is your friend if you're a speculator. Uncertainty Absolutely. is your friend. Volatility is your friend. Known quantities are not your friend if you're a speculator. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. Um, actually, uh, Ham Bergeron, thanks for uh, the comments here in the chat. He's actually, uh, I mean, it's kind of in the same vein, switching over to football, but sticking with Prism. Um, he uh, mentioned the pricing of 2020 Prism football. If it ever decides to get released, um, if it ever touches uh, hobby floors and retail floors, I still highly suspect it's not going to be out on the second it's going to be out even later but um he mentioned the price of a hobby box of 2020 prism football has him debating like stopping collecting prism that he's been building the base sets from 2012 to 2019 and he think it ends this season and i mean i've even seen walmart now online pre-selling i mean i guess now online they're pre-selling it like uh like retail stock X values, um, $50 blasters and stuff. Uh, the prism football this year, the pricing has gotten incredibly, incredibly high and incredibly, uh, in my opinion, out of control. What do you guys think, you know, about, I guess, uh, his, uh, his comment there about it being so much that, you know, it pretty much giving up on collecting prism. I mean, first off the line, like Ziggy said, is starting at 2000 a box next week. It's obviously Dutch auction, but I mean, this is, I mean, it's, is it getting a little out of hand? I understand basketball a little bit, but that football class is about triple the, the people in it. I mean, it's, it's so different. What do you guys, what do you guys think about how the pricing is on this prism? Well, I'm not the, the Panini guys have, putting the product together and the cost, but when, when, when it gets amped up too high, that's, it's really not healthy. So like we're yeah. talking about in the basketball situation, if the rookie crop is not considered to be uh, sterling at this point, if that slows people down, that's a good thing. I mean, no offense to Panini. Uh, you know, if people say, Hey, I'm going to wait, or I'm just not ready to pay that. There are so many alternatives in other companies. I mean, leave yeah. Upper Deck, Tops, all these other card companies are putting out excellent products. Mm -hmm. you, if you got two thousand bucks, you you get to decide what you want to spend it on, and you don't have to do. You don't have to. Nobody's forcing you to buy anything. Right. I mean, I'll tell you. I mean, I'll give full disclosure. I bought thirty cases of Prism Football Ooh. at nine thousand six hundred a case a week ago. Wow. And I'll tell you, I think that was a great buy. I, mean, I do too. I think I'm going to get 11, 10, 8. I think I'll get 10, 8, 4, 10, 5. I'll make a quick flip and make a grand a case. But I bought yeah. 30 cases at that. And, yeah. I, and I agree the prices are getting high. But Prism is one that I think the market is okay with. And here's why. Mm -hmm. Because I think singles lately are starting to kind of catch up on some of these releases. For example, if you look at, I mean, Mosaic is stupidly priced. I don't think that's a great product for the price. Right. It's just too high. But with Harbert and Burrow and Tua all being pretty good, yeah. it feels like, I mean, look at what those guys sell for compared to Zion and John. Mm -hmm. They're better. Yeah. They're better than Zion and John. And I think Zion is the most hyped player in any sport in 10 years, you know? Yeah. So, like, to me, that's amazing. But that shows you, I think in metal, 
I think, I mean, not metal, I think in Prism, I think the cards can live up to some of that value because I think it just changes. What happens is a Prism-based Tua is never $30 or $40. It's $150. It's $100. Sure. And the market's adjusting. And so it's just that brand is, is insulated from pretty much everything else unless the world is overtaken with the pandemic to a level where no one can breathe anywhere. You know, I mean, outside of that, I think this is totally – I think Prism is the safest. Yeah. But, again, I wouldn't discourage people from buying and collecting because of the price. You just got to pivot and collect differently. Yes. If you really want the set, make your goal buying singles to build the yeah. set because people are going to throw away all but the best eight cards. Mm -hmm. In the base set, they're chunk. They're going to leave on the counters in the store. Everything <laughs> except the best eight rookies. And yep. you piece those rookies together. It's not as much fun as opening box. I agree. But if you really love Prism and you really love the hobby, you just got to pivot and find a new way to collect. Mm. You know, I don't break as much wax as I used to because it's gotten stupid, the price. Yeah. And I make yeah. wax. And I want it to be healthy in the marketplace. But right. I can't break it at these levels because, for me, I'm running investment kind of money. That's not an investment to me. Investment right. is buying the Prism cases and putting them on the shelf. It's not opening the packs. Opening mm. the packs is fun and gambling you yeah. know, at this stage, at these prices. But I think Prism's totally fine. I have no nervousness at all. Twelve thousand is getting frothy, but at ten thousand, eleven thousand, it's probably fine. It's as bad as that sounds. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's just crazy to me because I remember when I when I was a, a big collector of Prism, and it, it used to be that product that everyone would laugh at you for getting. I mean, it was originally an entry level product meant to fill up some retail shelves. Boxes were under a hundred bucks. It's amazing to see what it's. Uh, what it's gotten to, but uh, I wanted to get both of y'all's opinion on this because, you know, we're talking about the price of Prism and, you know, I agree, Brian, I think, I think that the price you bought those cases at, you definitely will make easy money on it. Um, but with football, it's always been quarterbacks or nothing, but with the prices getting so high now and so many people being in, you know, the, in the industry that weren't now in the hobby going so crazy, do you think we start to see the values of these other, especially in things like Prism, which like Rich Klein said, it's kind of become the the flagship brand of Panini, if you will. Um, do you think we start to see other positions maybe hold some value besides vintage, you know, people like Josh Jacobs, people like Dalvin Cooks, people like that. Do you think we finally start to see running backs, wide receivers, maybe even possibly one defensive player that holds some sustainable value because it's always been in football. They get the hype, they get the big bump, and then as soon as the offseason hits or one game happens, they drop back down and they never recover. But it seems now with these prices being so high that in order to for people to even stay in it and get, you know, and keep going with it, that some of these are going to have to start to maintain a little more value. Uh, what do you guys think? You want me to go Doc, you got any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, basically, uh, the <laughs> you can't do a, a, a mathematical correlation, but clearly right. uh, the, the, the price of cards has some correlation to the highlights of the player and how how often they're featured, whether or not they're somebody's favorite player and a, and a receiver or a, you know, a, a, a great defensive player could be somebody's favorite player and could be on TV a lot with highlights. 
And if they get getting a microphone stuck in their face and they and they have an interesting personality, they're going to have a following. And once they have a following, people are going to chase their cards. It's just that quarterbacks have the are the only ones that have the ball on every offensive play. Yep. And and it's a and it's a pass happy league now. And so uh, I have no problem with quarterbacks getting most of the action, but I think it's a healthy trend when I see uh, again these guys that are. If it's if your favorite players are running back, collect them, and they're gonna. And, and uh, right. months ago they appeared cheap. Now there's mm-hmm. been a creep uh, up, and it's same thing with basketball. I mean, is it a is it wrong to collect the second best player on the team? <laughs> you know, it's 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 you know, everybody can't be going for if everybody goes for the well. I'm a little bit of a contrarian. I mean, if everybody goes for number one then there's going to be a big drop off for number two. Mm-hmm. So I'm not looking for the greatest of all time. I'm looking for the second greatest of all time, or the third, yeah. fourth. but they have to have a following. They have to have some other people that say, I really want to collect this person's cards. And, you know, Brian, you're, you're, you're doing that in your products. You span the world. Yeah. Celebrities, sports, everything over, over your lifetime in leaf. You're looking for somebody that has a following. You don't care what position they play. In some cases, it didn't even matter what sport. They had a following. They had popularity. And they somebody said, I want this guy's, this or gal card. No doubt. And we did, I mean, we've done disc golfers, like the best disc golfers. Yeah. Because there's a loyal following. So I'll make anything. I mean, that goes without saying. But I think going to what you what you say, somebody even mentioned in the comments how they find it strange that DK Metcalf Prism outsells a Larry Fitzgerald rookie card mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, what's interesting to me, what's interesting is I think DK Metcalf is he's getting so much publicity yeah. for being this freakish athlete. Yeah. It's not a surprise to me, whoever's on ESPN or on television getting all the hype is who the guys are chasing. But with that being said, my buy list isn't DK Metcalf. My buy list in Prism right now for PSA tens. Is Josh Jacobs, AJ Brown, Nick Bosa. I am buying some downtrodden quarterbacks. So I probably bought 100 Daniel Jones and 100 Drew Locks in the last week. You know, paying about 100 bucks or a little less for Drew, right around 100 bucks for Drew Locke, paying like 85 bucks for Daniel Jones, only because the upside is so phenomenal. Right. And yes, if you bought Haskins, you got massacred. I think Haskins at 30 bucks now is probably a buy <laughs> because I think he will be the quarterback again next year. But Whatever it is, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna buy those rookies, I'm not gonna at this point. I'm done with Kyler, too expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm done with. I, I would buy Deshaun's here because they're beaten up pretty bad. But I bought so many McCaffrey's, even though I think he's probably starting the downside of his career a little bit. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think I still buy I'm still buying McCaffrey's. I'm still buying those guys. I think they're too cheap. Aaron Jones. When you can buy those guys for a hundred, you know, not McCaffrey, but when you can buy AJ Brown for a hundred, yeah. the DK Metcalf is three fifty. I have a hard time with that because I think AJ Brown is as explosive a player. He just doesn't look like the Incredible Hulk when they take pictures of him and put him on the television. But I'm I'm like Doctor Beckett. I'm not for my personal investments. I'm not buying the no brainer. Like well, not no brainers. Zion is a big brainer, but yeah. I'm not buying the guy who's the most highly touted. I'm buying three or four down. Yeah, but Brian, I like to think, Brian, you're the exception because you're knowledgeable mm-hmm. and dispassionate, and you've got uh, deep pockets compared to. I mean, you have a business sense. You're dispassionate and you're knowledgeable. That's yeah. that's a powerful combination. That yes, that's a recipe for success. If you're if you're too passionate and too emotional, you you get carried away on on uh, on DK Metcalf. If any right. DK Metcalf. Maybe overpriced compared to these other guys, as opposed mm-hmm. to the others look like bargains. So, oh yeah, I'd much rather go back and buy Chrome DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, yes. for yes. Chrome DeAndre Hopkins is a sick, is a under a hundred dollar card in a PSA ten. Yeah, how is that possible when DK Metcalf's three fifty in prison or three twenty five in prison? That's a terrible buy compared to him or Keenan Allen. I bought a BGS ten mm-hmm. Keenan Allen for seventy five dollars on eBay. And I'm like, he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. He will yeah. be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. It's a BGS 10. It's a colored refractor from a company that won't ever make football cards again. Tops will never be in the football business again. It will be Panini forever, mm-hmm. or at least in our lifetimes, probably. They're like, bro, remember I thought Rome would be the king of the world forever, and now they're not. But, um, but you know, for the foreseeable future, Panini is the king of the world in football, and Chrome's never coming back. And that's why I buy Derek Carr Chrome. That's why I buy Keenan Allen Chrome. That's why I buy DeAndre Hopkins Chrome. I just see value there. I don't think the hobby appreciates the value of that old Chrome stuff because they've moved on to prison. Yeah. Well, the other aspect, Brian, just to throw another accolade your way, even though you have your own company, you're seeing the value of the brand that you're not just indiscriminately buying uh, players. You're knowledgeable about the players, but you're also knowledgeable about the production uh, quantities, values, and mm-hmm. appeal of these other products from your competitors. Yeah, yeah. no, I think it helps a lot. I, I can pretty much tell you what I think the programs are on almost any product. <laughs> I'm able to kind of piece it together. And, yeah. you know, I use that as kind of market research. But honestly, it doesn't matter because I, I, I like to think that I know how the collector is going to react if a certain set of events play out. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to predict their reaction because if they're never going to react to a player, I don't care if I think he's got lots of upside as a player, they're never going to react. You know, if the guy's right. in the wrong place at the wrong time, they're not going to react. Well, right. Well, we're bringing bring in real quick. So, uh, let's bring in Uncle Rich. In and I love this subject. And Dr. Mm-hmm. Jim knows where – I think he'll know where I'm going to go with this. <laughs> when I first started in the hobby back, you know, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, yeah. you know, before dirt was created um, – mm-hmm. One of my first things was 1977 Mark Fidrich rookie cards. There were dealers in Detroit bidding $3 for that card, probably selling for 5 in the Detroit area. 
well, you could buy a pretty good group of baseball hall of famers in 1977 from the 60s for $5 a card. All I wanted to point out is there's nothing new with this discussion. I know it sounds weird, but this is a 50-year discussion at this point. And I'd like to get Jim's perspective on, you know, I, one of the things I learned and Jim taught me when I first came to Beckett is I, I always prefer the older cards. He says, all the activities in the last three years still going on today. So I just want to get some of Jim's thoughts on how mm -hmm. we've changed and how we haven't changed, let's say, in nearly 50, in nearly 50 years now. Yeah. Well, there have been uh, the, the grading has been the game changer because mm -hmm. uh, otherwise we'd still be swapping $5 uh, superstars, you know, and $5 uh not flash in the pans. I think Fidrich, you know, kind of blew out his arm or had some injury that affected his ability to stay at that level. But he, he was a personality. He was in a – actually, Detroit is a big market for baseball and for cards. But it's not New York. But it's – so that that was so – there's going to be stuff like that. It's going to keep going. And it's going to happen in every sport that somebody comes on and – um you know, and yet, Brian, I'm interested in how you see this. I mean, there's when you're uh, forming your products, there's uh, there's the the the, uh, the flavor of the moment, the the star that's the that's appealing right now, and then there's some enduring stars, you know, that that'll always be uh, having appeal, and it seems like you you've sprinkled some of each of those. Fidrich would have been a now a flash in the pan, but he was for a couple of years there. He was he was amazing. He talked to the ball, and the ball did what he wanted it. <laughs> no, and I, and I listen. We try to diversify our products as much as we can because we know there's mm -hmm. going to be some hits and misses. And as far as those rookie type driven products, that's just the nature of speculation now. But yeah. going to what going to the old thesis that everything's the last. I got to be honest. If you look at the performance of vintage cards. Over the last six months, compared to new products, mm -hmm. new products have gone down about new cards, like rookies, have gone down 15, 20, 30 percent. Yeah. And vintage has tripled. Yeah. If you don't believe me, look at 84 Tops Marinos, 84 mm -hmm. Tops Elways, 86 yeah. Tops Rices, BGS mm -hmm. nines were four to five hundred bucks. PSA, I mean PSA nines even were five hundred dollars and now Dr. J's Dr. J's Dr. finally J. got it finally <laughs> getting recognition. He it took it took until now. It took <laughs> until now. And if you and even if you even if you feel like oh crap I missed the wagon uh no. Montana's Montana nines are twenty three hundred now I can't afford that. Eights mm -hmm. are only four hundred. Three yeah. eight four hundred. Sevens are one ninety. I mean yeah. Montana's one of the greatest ever. He's no Tom Brady, but he's one of the greatest ever. Yeah. So it's like I mean, how do you not buy vintage here? The problem is the newest generation of collectors never saw them play. Right. The good news is there's film on these guys, so we'll see them. That's the knock against buying T cards and things as an investment if you're not the old school. Mm -hmm. No one that I know, none of my friends ever no. saw Honus play. They never saw they never saw any of these guys play. Fred Clark, yeah. any of these guys that are in the T sets. Yeah. You know, with the except Rube Barquard, none of these guys, they didn't see any of these guys play. And there's no video. There's no film. Heck, you even see in the 50s and 60s, there's limited amounts of film that people can actually access easily. And so you're seeing a fall off if it's not Mano Clemente, Koufax, Mays, Aaron. 
you see a fall off in like one spawn. Yeah. There's no virus for spawn. It's amazing, really. And I think it's just because outside of those most iconic names, it's out of sight, out of mind. But this 80s and 70s and a little bit of 90s material, I think there's a lot of upside. But one last story I want to tell real quick, and I won't monopolize the conversation. Yeah. Rich was talking about hoarding up Mark Fidrich. And I remember going into first base. I think you were already out of there, Jim. But HL, I think, was running it, or one of the guys was running it. And I got the idea that basketball had big upside. I think it might have been right before HL. But I said, you know, basketball's got big upside. And I saw in their little thing that hung over the counter, they had like little trays that held like rookie cards and things. They have a little plastic box of bird, bird magics. Yeah. So I went in and they had five <laughs> the box and I bought them all 10 bucks a piece. I was like, how can you have two like legends on a rookie card like that to be worth $10? So I went in a week later and they had five more in the box, but they were 15. <laughs> and I was like, crap. So I paid the 15. Yeah. And I went in like a week later and it was 20. And I bought five more at 20. They were very good at tiered pricing there, as you know, Dr. Jim. They they were very good at tiering pricing based on demand. And when they saw things selling, they kicked the price up. But I'm not probably about 30 over a two-month, three-month period mm -hmm. because there was value there. And there's still value to be unlocked now. I mean, 89 upper rank John Smoltz, PSA 10s, are $30. Yes. He's a Hall of Fame pitcher from an iconic set in a PSA 10 is $30. I mean, for real. I mean, there's value. You just got to be open-minded to it. Doesn't have to shine. And just because you don't get blinded when you look at it doesn't mean it's not a good buy or there's not value there. Brian, there's also value in a lot of these guys in raw cards. One thing that's really taken off is signed Hall of Fame rookie cards now. Sure. Those you can't have in yes. a holder. I mean, you know, our mutual friend Eddie Kelly did a lot of autographs at the 2019 national he had a he worked out something with jeff and bobby and he did a lot of mail order and there were people paying 395 dollars to get mariano rivera's signature on the 92 bowman card which cost which you really can't find much bargains on they were costing him 100 each to pick up yeah i mean that's a for the people doing that that's 500 dollars out of pocket i mean it that market is really taking off as well i sold a George McGinnis and Mel Daniels, I think, rookie cards at the show this weekend to people who say, I'm going to send them. I know Mel Daniels is no longer with us, but George McGinnis mm -hmm. and somebody else from that set, a second tier rookie, but they're in the Hall of Fame. And they were taken off to, to have them to get signed because there's a market for that too. I mean, there is an interesting market that's going on. Not everything has to be graded nowadays. And in the Hall of Fame rookie. Some of them can be, if the player is still living, get them signed. And if you want the nosebleed upside to that, yes, uh, yeah. bringing grading back in is now getting really ultra high grade copy signed. Yeah. And taking yeah. the and care then, to make sure they're preserved in that high grade. And have the card slab. And then dual grade them. Because yeah. to me, as a purist, yes. the collector in me wants my whatever card it is, 72 Fisk. I want my card to be an eight or a nine that's signed because yeah. I appreciate the aesthetics of a beautiful card. Most guys get rookie signed, just go buy whatever's cheap on eBay to get signed. Right. Right. And I I mean I honestly see the I would rather have one fisk that's stunning that's signed than three with rounded corners that were twelve dollars on eBay raw, and that's why people bought it to get signed. So I think and again, there's degrees. You can buy a seven quality card to get signed. But whatever it is that pleases your aesthetics. 
think about that's what other people are going to want when they buy these cards long term. If they look at it as any more than just a, a collectible, like to have for their collection, if they're looking for value, they're going to look at that card grade too. And I think you see, look on eBay, it's dual graded, high grade stuff. The market and I, and, really, I think, yeah. and I think you're right, Brian. A beautiful set like a '57, where Brooks Robinson is still with us. Yeah, and he's always been a wonderful signer. You get a beautiful '57 oh, yeah. rookie card signed by Brooks Robinson with his gorgeous signature, and you get a dual dual graded. I don't want to say the sky's the limit, but I think that you know a card like that has immense potential because it's a physically attractive signed card with a really good signature. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I completely agree with everything you guys just said. I, I love that market. I think that stuff's cool. I actually have a Jerry Rice uh, signed rookie in my collection as well. What's up, Ryan Holland? Uh, he just had a Montana rookie card auto walk into his shop this week. So, you know, that that market is booming uh, quite big. But, uh, but, you know, we've got about you got about 18 minutes left, guys. So please call in, join the show. If you have any questions or comments on this topic or anything else, there's a lot more room than four. We can fit 80 all on. So call on in, jump on in. The more the merrier. But um, we were talking uh, just a minute ago, and you guys, uh, Brian and uh, Dr. Beckett, you both mentioned film being part of the equation, especially with the T206s, like you said, Brian, um, having no film on them and that – people will actually have film on this. And he said that, uh, that, you know, interesting perspective that using film as part of the equation, I think that's absolutely essential in this new day and age of the hobby. The fact of the players that you do have film on, those are the guys that will maintain value because this is an era of people that have grown up their entire lives being able to see whatever they wanted whenever they wanted. Now, back in, even when I was a kid, uh, even in the late 80s, early 90s, you couldn't see everything you wanted, so there was stuff that you missed. But now, nowadays, from the moment my son, since my son's been two or three, he's been able to see anything he wants. And so I think, I think if anything, in this new hop, the new era of the hobby, film is 10 times more important when it comes to cards that will maintain that value in the long term. I think it's even more important than film. All the social media media interaction players have yeah. you know, on things that Jim and I probably aren't on very much, like Instagram and places like that, where you're getting the immediate gratification of seeing the highlights. You're not really yes. seeing – the you know you, you don't have to watch the games I, I read yesterday a fascinating article why people are cutting the cord on cable and they're doing more of the highlights and all that of the easily accessible things on film rather than having to sit through a three-hour football game right. they just want to see the catch cd cd lamb makes yeah and cd lamb will talk about it on his whatever social media he uses that night you know, that's becoming more interesting to the fans than watching the progression of a game and watching the Cowboys win or lose again. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, with all that being said, I think Dr. Beckett will agree with me on this. All you guys that want to zig, go look at social media. Go buy into DK Metcalf. <laughs> go run after it. Chase Zion wherever you want to go. Yeah. I think for us Zaggers, we're probably okay letting you guys focus on film too yes. much, focus on ESPN too much. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I'm okay with you guys focusing on that and not worrying about, again, mm-hmm. John Smoltz, 89 predicts Randy Johnson. Right. I can run off like 50 cards. Smoltz in is insane. Smoltz, I didn't realize it was 30, but I looked it up when you said it. That's absurd. That's yeah, I bought like 140 and I finally quit and they dropped back to 30 after I quit buying. <laughs> but eventually they'll be good. I know yeah. they will. Yes. You agree, Dr. Beckett, right? Let's let all these guys zag so we can zig. My job was to track the zigging and the zagging. (laughs) Figure out where the zigging is and do the zagging. But uh, let me give a shout out to Rich Muller at uh, Sports Card Daily. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys get that, but it's it's great. And a few weeks ago, he had this clip of Hannes Wagner at the Mm -hmm. age of 59. Now, I'm not saying there's going to be a run on Hannes Wagner's cards, but most people have not seen Hannes Wagner. Here he is at 59, you know, taking infield and batting practice at 59 years old. He was yeah. he was great. He was great. But that was film, uh, you know, kind of scratchy, not high quality, but it was film of uh, from the 30s. The yeah. other thing with that, well, good on that film, it wasn't like one of these silent movies. You could actually hear Honus. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. By the way, I recommend that it's two minutes and six seconds, so it will not take a ton of your time to watch that video. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. I'm, I haven't seen that. Right. Yeah, I actually was unaware of that uh, as well. What's up, Deafness? Thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks, everybody, once again. Garrett, bunch of guys. Uh, I mean, it, it, the proof's in the comments right here. Bunch of people that I know that also really collect modern uh, talking about how they love their Griffey in person upper deck graded autos you know that is a that is a big massive segment that doesn't get a lot of attention but uh like you said let those people chase those dks things like that and uh every you know some other people can go that other way <laughs> well um, you know it's getting serious when guys like montana and marino yeah now their regular autograph price is 149 or 199 but rookie cards are 400 right so the people who represent them have recognized the value that those autographs have. And that's that's like a validation of a premise that it's a legitimate category that's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Because when they raise the prices like that, it shows you the demand is where you need it to be to know that it's legit. It's not a passing fancy. You know, because the old purist would have said, why are you writing on my cards? That's what photos were made for. Or index cards. You don't write on my 33 Gaudi, but man, don't you wish Babe had signed your 33 Gaudi now? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Uncle Jimmy's collection did pretty well with those 33 signed Gaudis. His family got, got quite a bit of money out of that inheritance from having all those signed. And, Brian, you point out an interesting thing about what the players wanting more or the agents for the players wanting more for their signed rookie cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claude Washington recently passed, and he's one of the people in the past pros brigade. And the guy that does past pros pointed out that Claude Washington – Let's say it was $10 an autograph. 
But for his 75 tops rookie card or any of his 75s, it was $30 to get that, that one signed. He knew before a lot of the other people that the rookie card was worth more to have signed than any other card. And he actually knew that way back in, you know, five, six years ago. Huh. It's quite interesting. I didn't know that uh, at all. That's pretty cool. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, once again, guys, we got about uh, about eight, nine minutes. If there is uh, <laughs> no Uncle Jimmy, just Uncle Rich. That's right, Mr. Newman. That is right. But um, oh, let me ask Brian a question. Yeah. Um, you do pop century. Did that get affected? You know, I know we talked about this. How much did that get affected? Because that's really a, yeah. a character. We'll call it character based autograph product and relic product. How much did you get affected this year by the COVID situation in producing a pop century? Not much. I mean, we had already wow. secured both of the autographs before this, but I mean, the names we had this year were better than they have been in the past. It really killed it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, next year's set during COVID, it's been funny. I've, I've found some celebrities that are sitting at home, not working. And I've gotten some guys to sign that I didn't think I was getting to sign. So like next year's lineup, without giving too much away, like Sylvester Stallone's in next year's Pop Century. Uh, Michael Keaton is in next year's Pop Century. Oh. Um, Ray Liotta's in next year's Pop Century. Nice. And then there's some little tip. I mean, I'm just, I'm signing some weird names that are like, I just think they're interesting names. I mean, so we're getting big names, but I'm yeah. also finding like the old people who are the bachelors and the bachelorettes <laughs> and like pictures because pop culture is a picture yeah. of pop culture. And so when people reflect on our sets over the years, the hope is they look back and see the real housewives of New Jersey that were in our set or New York years ago and the husband and wife who signed cards together, both in prison. It's interesting. Like it's an interesting snapshot yeah. of a time. What was time, what was newsworthy or timely in a certain period. And that's the low end item of people on a product. But we also had people like Jason Momoa before he became famous, really. You know, we had him when people were just rumoring he might be Conan. Never mind Game of Thrones or Aquaman or whatever. So it's a it's a nice snapshot into pop culture. And that's what we try to achieve. And yeah, we know some of the guys are gonna end up being jokes eventually. But we catch some we catch some fish sometimes. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And uh, I, I actually had a question for that. Pop Century is one of my favorite products. I love uh, I I love some of the people that you get in there. I think it's awesome. Um, but you mentioned how easy it's been getting some of the signatures. Uh, I didn't think about the ones that aren't actually doing work, but. From from everything that I've been told and like from everything I've heard, that the ones that are working are pretty locked down and, and uh, are pretty much uh, in a bubble themselves. Has that been difficult to get the people that are actually working on stuff? Has it been you know a more oh, yeah. of a challenge for you? There are guys that are scared to do anything. Yeah, I mean, and there are there are some of those. But I'll be honest with you, again, we're having to work. We're having to have the agents witness in a lot of cases. Because A-list celebrities are not going to let us troll into their house right now. Yeah, I mean, so they might let their agent in. So that's like we're having to have agents act as witnesses on a lot of the autographs, which is fine. But I mean, we're just we're having to be flexible. And I mean, there's a there's a guy that I'm in. I'm not in love with a guy, but this is a guy who I think is like one of my, this is the person I most want to get on a pop century card. And he's directing a film right now. His first feature film. He's known for other things. Mm -hmm. And like. He is going to sell massive because he oh, I think I know he wrote one of the greatest 
pieces of work in his field ever written. It is a pop culture phenomenon. He's a pop culture. And so, like, he's like, call me in December when we can probably do something. I just got to finish this movie. And so it's like, man, I mean, that's the thing. There's, we should be flexible and fluid with, with these guys. But, I mean, I'll tell you, even the low-end names we're getting, we, we have a lot better group of low-end names than we've had in the past. Because you'd be surprised how many guys are just sitting at home and they're like, I can sit in my underwears and watch cartoon and, <laughs> cartoons and make 3500 bucks in 30 minutes. Yeah, and they're okay with that, you know, for small, cheap people, you know. So I think it's interesting, but yeah, we're just flexible. And and I mean, next year we're not only doing pop; we're going to do Pop Century Pearl next year, which will be a, oh. a high end, ultra high end, but it's going to be configured differently than the other ones. But nice. we're going to do an ultra high end Pop Century too, because when we get Sly Stallone, we're working on Schwarzenegger, we're working on a lot of big, big people. If we get enough of these big names, we'll have Harrison Ford again. Then we can do something really high end if we have the names to back it up. But we're not going to make it just to make it. We have to right. provide value, or it doesn't make sense. Well, Ryan Holland needs an Elon Musk auto, he says. But, uh, <laughs> well, but hey, we pay Elon a thousand a piece to sign for yeah. Pop Century, but I don't think that's going to move the needle. But Pearl, but Pearl Pop Century, wow, that's uh, that's awesome. But well, sorry I, to interrupt, Rich. Let me just ask Brian one more question. Sure. I know we're running into a tight yeah. deadline. One thing. When I talked to a couple of the Panini people that were walking around the the card show last weekend, they stressed that they really do try to make products that are appropriate for the price point because they realize yeah. they can't control the secondary market. But if it's a, a product that should be $79.95 you know, retail, they want to try to give you something worth $79.95. If the product explodes on contact, they can't help that. You you're you you know the market, but you also now are making cards. How cognizant are you of the price of trying to match the price point to the value you put in the product? I mean, here's the thing, and and we can all try, but the reality is, I will tell this to collectors: your best chance of not getting massacred at the current pricing in the market is to focus on products that feature unautographed cards as the primary focus. Yep. Because if your product is one that relies on hits, autographs and game use to hit, you have to be much more cognizant of what you're paying. Mm -hmm. Because those things are much more price inelastic than a rookie card, which is very, the volatility and the elasticity is very big. So I think you have to consider that. So for Panini, they're in a tough spot because when you make Mosaic, factory cost is $95 for Mosaic football. And it's currently going for over 700 or 700. Yeah. There's nothing they can put in there to make it worth $700. You do realize that. Right. Unless Zion makes Michael Jordan look like, you know, Popeye Jones. <laughs> he's never going to, it's never going to be, or, or in football, yeah. Joe Burrow is going to make Joe Montana look like a loser. That's right. not going to happen. So there's no world under which it will ever be there. Now, with that being said, I give Panini huge props. And mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends there, and I tell them all the time, I think you guys are doing a good job. Yeah. I really do. And I think Topps is doing a relatively good job. Yeah. I think the manufacturers as a whole, they're being very responsible with production. Trust me, we can all make as much as we want to make right now and ring the register enough we never have to work again. You know, but I, yeah. we're not doing that. We're showing some restraint. We're yeah. showing some responsibility. And we're putting a lot of effort because we're all cognizant. And the Panini guys have told me personally, they're very cognizant of the fact that when things trade for five times cost, it makes them look bad when right. the stuff doesn't deliver. And I get hate emails when people say, Brian, right. I paid $300 for this box. 
and I only got $180 worth of stuff. And I was like, well, oh. it only cost 120 direct. So exactly. if you had bought it, if you had bought it on like the IPO level, you would have been great. Right. The problem is secondary, but guess what? That's everything. Yeah. Everything yep, in life. That it is. You pay, yep, and, you pay $300 for a James Taylor ticket. Is it really worth $300? It was 80 direct. You right. have to decide if you derive the value from it, that the premium that's included. For exactly. me, I love James Taylor, so it's worth the premium. <laughs> or other people, they'll say, that guy's old. No one cares about him. And they'd rather go see, you know, yeah, uh, uh, Ariana Grande or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know. No, I I absolutely agree with you, Brian. I think that was absolutely perfectly said. Um, it's it, people are looking at the value, expecting the value from the resale. You know, the price that they paid from it, which isn't what the products are are built for. And like you said, there's things that they just can't make product. Like you said, mosaic. Um, I think Mosaic being its first year away from Prism might hold a little more value if Mosaic becomes a standalone, if if it becomes a, you know, a very popular brand. But it there's nothing they can put in it to make it the value that it is now unless, you know, 15 superstars come out of uh, everything. But uh, but guys, Jim, it, Jim you want to take us home? Yeah, we got to. Uh, Jim, what what do you? <laughs> yeah, some final, final comments. Yeah. Uh, the hobby is dynamic. When it, if there's nothing to complain about or to be frustrated about, it's that's a bad thing. So yeah. a lot of it is complaining about how demand is too high. Yes, why <laughs> is not enough? You know, uh, yeah. oh, those those are the better problems to have. So I. Yeah. I and I'm very bullish on the hobby. But at the same time, we could have a, a product that would be a flop, a player that would be a flop, and still the hobby could yeah. be very healthy. In fact, there have to be winners and losers. Yes. So, but there are way more winners than losers lately. And uh, absolutely. And I, I hope it. Can, I hope there's more winners than losers going forward. Yep. I certainly hope so. Well, guys, I got to go coach my little one soccer team. So we are going to have to wrap up today's episode of Hobby Hotline. I would like to thank our awesome hosts, uh, Brian Gray, Dr. Jim Beckett, and Uncle Rich Klein, as always. Thank you guys so much for uh, joining me today. And um, for all you out there, thank you so much for watching. If you didn't get a chance to watch and you are listening to this on on, on, uh, on podcast form, we are live every Saturday at 11 a.m. And if you are unaware, we are on all podcast platforms as well, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. But, uh, guys, we will be back next week with a brand-new show, different cast of characters, but same old show. So uh, talk to you guys next week, and thank you so much. Have a good one. Perfect. Perfect.